Hey, you like cars? Well, so do I. Take a seat real quick. You're listening to Car Quicks. Yes, 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 yes. Shoulders back. How are y'all? It's another episode. Here again. Sooner than you thought. Probably thought you had some free time. You don't. Okay, you gotta sit here. You gotta like. You gotta subscribe. You gotta leave a comment. Those are the rules. Like I said, I don't make them. I just abide by them. But how are y'all doing out there? Another episode of Car Quiz. This is a news one. We're just going to talk about a few little things that I saw today, this week, just beginning. Week's not even done yet, so we got plenty of stuff probably coming out at the end of this week. Hope y'all doing good out there, feeling good, doing well. I'm doing excellent. I got nothing to complain about. But you know what time it is. You know what time it is. Uh-huh. My little director's cut. I know somebody out there is going to tell me that it's called something else. It doesn't matter. Okay. I like calling it the director's cut. So today, it's car quick news, okay? That's what we're going to talk about. I don't know if there's anything really that crazy to talk about. There is something kind of funny. I'm not going to go off directly off my notes because some of this stuff, I want to start off with the more hilarious part of all the news, and that's Tesla, okay? Besides the fact that they said... <laughs> Last week, they said successful space launch and then a joint blew up in the air. I was confused. I thought maybe that would be non-successful, but I was looking at it wrong. They just wanted to launch it. They didn't say anything about flying. <laughs> but anyways, the news that we got today is if you own a Tesla right now, I hope you're not trying to keep the value up because honestly, Elon don't care. He doesn't. He don't care. He is going to chop these prices more and more. The prices are getting Ginsu. Okay, remember the Ginsu commercial? Ginsu blade was cut through a can, a pair of shoes. That's what he's doing to the prices. The prices on the Teslas are getting Ginsu bladed. Okay, chopped up. Right now, it's, what is it? I said it's January. Since January until now in April, the Model 3 has gone down 20%. <laughs> There aren't even, CVS don't even give you coupons that good. 20% off, it now starts at $39,900. So basically, a little under $40,000. You still get the incentive. You get $3,750, $3,750 as opposed to the total $7,500 tax incentive. But the mere fact that they have dropped it 20% and you still could have the incentive if you qualify for it is wild. And that's just a quick thing because I saw it as I was writing my notes for this episode. And I was like, they dropped the price again? You know, anybody that's looking for a Tesla right now, honestly, just chill out. Just chill out. They're about to drop the price again. At the rate he's going, by summer, them joints might be 40% off. <laughs> Look, a Black Friday sale on a Model 3. <laughs> Crazy. 
Now, aside of the Model 3, there was some other news, too, that's really, really cool. At least, I consider it cool. One of them is the Elantra N. You see it up there. Okay, that was what the Elantra N used to look like. And this is what it looks like now. Okay, this facelift that they just did completely saved this front end. Because prior to this front, this new one, this thing was looking like a catfish on wheels. Don't act like I'm lying. Look at the current one. Look at the one coming. And tell me that joint ain't looking like a catfish on wheels. It was. We all knew it was. There's a couple examples I saw on Instagram that look really dope, really cool. Lowered wheels, front lips. Like I said before in my other episode about BMW styling, cars should inherently look good from the factory. I shouldn't have to drop it, lower it, carbon fiber it, wide body it. I shouldn't have to do any of that to then step back and say it looks good. Now, the side profile always looked good, and I actually like the fact that it had the kind of contrasting lines, even though I talked about all the extra trapezoids and all that in car design. At least they kept it to the side profile where it made some sense of what they were trying to do. But now this updated front end, now we can have a conversation about why the Elantra N should be considered, especially if you're looking into the same realm of car like the Civic Type R, the Corolla, the GR Corolla, uh, Volkswagen GTI, Golf R, a WRX. You know, any of these kind of sports sedan, import sports sedans should not have this missing from the list. It makes 275, 276 foot-pounds of torque, Inline four, it performs great because the people that are engineering this car came from the previous M division. Yes, BMW's M division are now over at Hyundai making their N cars, which is why all the reviews you've seen have said, get past the idea of the nameplate if you want to get hung up on that says it's a Hyundai, it's not a Toyota, it's not a Honda, it's not a Nissan. Get past that and you have an excellent car. One that is flying under the radar and one that you probably don't have to do battle like I had to do to get a GR Corolla at MSRP or the games that people got to play for the Civic Type R because that's a straight nonsense, okay? Nonsense. And the upcoming Acura Type S, let's pray. Let's pray that it is MSRP only because at the rate we're going, the games are just starting. They're going to be some games. So the new Elantra N has a front facelift. Looks great. And I'm going to segue to something because somebody asked me a comment about speaking about the Kona N. And this isn't really a full episode for that person who commented, so shout out to you. But he wanted a video about the Kona N. I want to do a full video on the Kona N, but I want to talk about something with the Kona N because I always have thought this was one of the most slept on cars. The Kona N uses the same structure that was used in the Elantra N, the Veloster N, all of those things it was used. It used the same one that was same motor, 275 horsepower, same setup for the suspension, and also handled by the same people that have been working on all the other cars. It's actually, to me, a hatchback. See, the interesting thing about the Kona N is that it is being touted as a little SUV, a little compact SUV, but the reality is, to me, I'm like, this thing is really a hatchback. Look at the shape of this. Now, look at compact SUVs 
similar to the Buick and Vista I talked about, uh, RAV4, anything like that that's compact, this thing is looking a lot better and it's city sitting lower. If you needed something that needed to haul people, have some utility, more utility than my GR Corolla. Like, I'm not even going to sit here and lie to you. This has more interior, more probably more cargo space. I don't know about interior space, but more cargo space. It definitely can haul more probably on the roof as far as how it's handling. But you don't lose anything. 276 horsepower. You get a boost option with the end button that gets you 10 extra horses for a 20-second blast, included torque. It has a dual-clutch transmission, 8-speed. No, it doesn't have a manual, but you're not with some garbage automatic transmission that isn't that good. You got a standard dual-clutch transmission, 0 to 60 in 4.8 seconds. I mean, a couple years ago, this is unheard of, okay? A couple years ago, 4.8 seconds in anything would have had you looking around for a badge that came from maybe a German manufacturer or somebody or a Japanese manufacturer. To see them coming from Hyundai shows you just how far we have gone. And if you look at the interior of it, you get the same nice-looking seats, same buckets. You get the same dashboard. You get the same look. The outside, the pops and bangs. If I could put a video up of how this thing sounds without just straight exhaust from the factory, you'd be shocked. Because pops and bangs, if that's your thing, they're there and plentiful. Fuel mileage is good, things like that. It's similar to like my car, 27 miles to the gallon. I think you can push it up to like 32 combined if you really were trying to push it. But the point that I'm having about this car is that it's never really brought up. So when that person made that comment, it actually made me think. And I was like, you know what? We don't really talk about the Kona N. We talk about the Elantra, the Veloster, but that one kind of gets left to the side, even though it has everything. The styling can be a little funky in certain areas with like the split tail lights kind of like the split headlights but i was just driving home today and somebody was in a blue kona n and i drove by he gave me a thumbs up i gave him a thumbs up and i'm looking at it like that looks good like that does not look bad and he didn't have anything done to it again he didn't lower it didn't do nothing extra stock kona n and it looks the part so if you needed something that was a little bit bigger than the standard hatchback, let's say you have a dog or a kid or you just haul, you just want to carry a few other things, maybe do some more outdoorsy things, but you wanted something that can handle well or do well on the back roads on the way to, I don't know, a campsite on the way to doing some mountain bike riding, something that gives you the option of being spirited driving, but also the utility, you can't really go wrong here. And you get something that's actually different. I understand the sea of cars and the sea of SUVs out there for the ones that are very popular, like a Honda CRV. You see them all the time. And obviously, for people that just say, I want a standard SUV that does what I want it to do, then obviously those are considered the best for a reason. But if you want to kind of step outside the box and say, Well, give me that, but maybe I don't want to, maybe I do want something that's fun to drive. I don't want to always just be in something that's just mundane and plain, get me from point A to B. Maybe I want to have something that performs well, that has some power, that can have some modifications done to it, that can also carry all the things I have. This is one of those things. If you are on the fence or considering, I'm over here knocking my books over. If you're over here considering what you want to have, let's say you're trying to do the battle of trying to find a Civic Type R, I know. Somebody's going to comment and say, ain't nobody pro shopping no Kona N and the CTR. I understand that. 
But here's the thing. Some people broaden their horizons as far as they can go. Maybe they don't have any history of the Civic Type R. Maybe they have they don't understand what all the hoopla is about the GR Corolla. Maybe they're just like, can I get something that is kind of sporty to drive and has some utility? And that's where this comes up. So the person that made the comment, I forgot your name. I'll put it up here when I do this video and you can see that you made this comment. If you're thinking about the Kona N, I would heavily consider it. You're not going to fight also with price points that being overmarked, market adjustment. You're dealing with a car that in the underpinnings are behind people that engineered this stuff for a company that was making 60, 70, 80,000 dollar cars. The engineering team from the old M division is currently at Hyundai creating the N line, the N model of cars. This isn't something to be to ignore or to be ashamed about. Some people get too caught up in names and be like, I don't want to drive that since a Hyundai. You're not going to think I'm serious. And they have no idea how the car is created, who's performing the engineering, and how it actually performs on the track. You won't really find much issues with it other than some people say the ride is kind of stiff. It's loud on the highway with the road noise. And that can be just by nature of having probably harder compound tires that are probably all season suspension that can handle a little bit better. So you're going to, there's going to be a compromise there. They said the same thing about the GR Corolla. They're like, it rides stiff. I drive it every day to work and back and forth everywhere. And I'm like, I I'm fine. And I'm not some extra young kid. that's just like, I'm just going to ride around with, you know, cuff springs and would say the same thing. It doesn't ride bad. So I know sometimes when people see like stiff suspension, road noise, everything's relative. If you're riding around right now, some like clapped out Altima, <laughs> this is going to be a luxury car. But if you've never been in anything new or this is kind of like the first new car, you really can't lose on how it rides or drives. Only really people that have been driving for a long time have had a large amount of <clears throat> different cars. They're the ones that might say, I don't like how it rides or rides a bit stiff. But listen, if you were in the world of trying to make changes and you want to modify something, you can change up the suspension. You can get some coilovers. You can make it ride a little bit better. Those are the type of things that are fun to add, not something that you have to add to make the car look good or to drive better out the factory. It drives fine. If you were to look at something that was a con, that's probably mostly what you're going to see about it. So for me personally, I actually considered the Kona N well before the GR Corolla was announced because I just liked how it looked. I was like, that's cool. You can haul people, you can do stuff, it's got the motor, it's got the engine, it can handle well. It's a good look. So if you're out there looking about that, between the Elantra and the Kona and the Veloster and like Hyundai is very similar in the way that they have multiple options. There's a three-door, two-door hatchback, there's a sedan, and then there's a little SUV hatchback. That's the full gamut. Toyota has the GR Corolla. We got the GR86. We got the GR Super. I mean, there's almost less as far as you come to utility that Toyota offers that Hyundai has over that. So if you want to have apples to apples argument about who has a better lineup, really, if you remove any bias about what company people like the most or where they're building it and just seeing the car for what it is, there's some really, really good options over there. Now, outside of the Elantra N being blessed with a complete facelift, because, man, yo, prior to what they did here, catfish. Um, Here's one thing, though. I don't know if they're going to continue making the Elantra N. This facelift might be the last. 
as I've said before, any of these cards that you like, we might be looking at the final fight, the final countdown, the last batch. This is it. It's hybrid and electric coming. It's, it's coming. An example, I was talking about the 300C last episode, about the history of it with, you know, urban hip-hop artists, people of my community driving them, the modifications they did to them. And currently, the news that came out recently is that Chrysler showed the electric version of the 300C to some dealerships in Las Vegas. Here's the big deal. I actually thought the 300C was dead, honestly. If I'm being 100%, I thought that last limited edition one the little new SRT one they made with the V8 in it. I thought we were just looking at the last salute. See you later. It's been nice. But they showed the electric one, and they said it rides on the same chassis as the electric charger. So Chrysler right now only has literally two cars, which sounds nuts. They have a Pacifica, and they have that limited edition 300C. That's it for the gas power cars. So seeing the electric one shows you that one Stellant, how do you say his name? Stellantis, the new CEO of the entire, obviously, Fiat group, who's over Dodge and all that. He's making massive changes. So the Dodge Charger being electric, the 300C being electric, that's all major changes. One that's are going to happen, it shows you we're at the last run. If you're thinking about any of these cars, you better cop. Ain't going to be too much left. On to the next. Now, outside of electric 300Cs and facelifted Elantra ends, something else got released that I have been waiting, not waiting, but to see this start to happen means that we're going to start getting into a realm of something that I've watched as a kid all the time. So if anybody's watched old, I don't know, Rust Valley Restorations, Gas Monkey Garage, Overhauling, if you ever subscribe to Motor Trend TV, you've watched a bunch of TV shows. And 90% of them, outside of the Top Gears and the Top Gear of America, almost all of them are always classic cars, trucks, muscle cars. And I've always, always, always said, why are we not getting... See, I'm into imports, right? I'm into the import scene. I'm not into i like the chargers and the challengers and the camaros and the corvettes and the muscle cars big v8s but i'm in my heart of hearts i'm into the import scene that's what i like the most and so whenever i would see these shows i would say like how come nobody is doing like resto modded like old imports i mean you we see people do them if you go to shows some of the greatest car builders in the import scene builds civic hatchbacks and you know old integras and supras and Corollas and all these cars that are classic skylines to an extreme level. There's plenty of Japanese manufacturers and businesses and car shops that are building stuff, all carbon fiber, active garage, R32s and 3s. I mean, we have plenty of examples, but there's never been anything televised, right? And so I've always watched these shows and said, I know somebody's making like resto modded versions of these cars or whatever the new, whatever today's version of something very classic would be. And Evasive Motorsports in California essentially did that. I've been tracking them on Instagram for a number of months that they've been working on this. They're making an S2000R. I used to own an S2000. As you see right here, they basically did like the R version, like an NSXR, of what the S2000 would have been today and age. Personally, I think it looks awesome. The interior to me reminds me of like, if you see up here above me, 
interior reminds me of like a GT3 with the door pulls, carbon fiber. Those with Carol buckets are butter, okay? I've, I've seen those a few times. I have in my head asked myself if I was going to spend the money to at least buy one for my car. I don't know if I can really fit in it. 6'3", over 200, still a 36-inch waist, but I don't know. I'm just saying that seat is fire. Now, they basically created the car, added different suspension components, improved the handling, improved the power output, changed the styling of it. Very OEM plus, very, I will say OEM plus plus because it does look aggressive, kind of very track oriented, especially when you get to the interior. But when you see this, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, this reminds me of them taking classic cars, resto modding them, adding something to it currently for how it looks now in today's world of what maybe Honda would have done if they would have kept making that car. I think it looks great. I do have one knock. <laughs> Here's just a knock. They swapped out the engine for the one that's in a Civic Type R, the FK8 version. I don't know the engine code of it. Somebody's going to know it, and you understand what I'm talking about. So it makes 306 horsepower, obviously a good 60-plus horsepower over what the original S2000's F20C motor was doing. But here's my problem that I have with the engine choice is that it takes away from the ethos and the main characteristic of an S2000. Anybody that owned an S2000, myself included, current owners, people that I meet, we all have said the same thing. The experience of driving it, redlining to 9,000 or 8 if you got an AP2 or if you're going to change it and raise it up back, is undeniable. I mean, you can't recreate that. And to me, to chase horsepower for the sake of saying it makes more power, to me, it takes it away. If I was to build one of these S2000Rs, I would honestly tell them, keep the motor the same. Let's refresh it. Let's add as much as we can to it to up the power it can do naturally aspirated because there are a few things that you can do, not much, because it was engineered to the highest level from the factory. But to me, that motor has to stay. It has to stay. That is what an S2000 is. It's similar to people making an argument about RX-7s when they do motor swaps. They're like, it's cool. I would drive a V8 RX-7. I'm not going to knock an LS swap on RX-7. I mean, that sounds like a good time. But nothing beats when you see one still having a rotary in it. So it has the rotary in it, and you hear the sound, the little brap brap sounds, and you hear it coming. You're like, respect, okay? It's a nod of approval. Because we already know that that's what it was built behind. So I would say everything about this S2000R is great. But I would have kept the motor the same. Modify the engine. Do ITBs on it. If you could, maybe you could do an enclosed and an intake plenum, plenum that would allow the airflow to come from the same intakes. So I would have did something like that where it was like more motorsporty, but kept the engine. I mean, having drive, driven and owned one, no, they don't got torque. Like, if you're at a red light and somebody's in like a minivan, you will get dusted, okay? You better be on your P's and Q's if you're trying to do anything from a stop sign in an S2000. It's not going to be a good look. Them cars ain't got the torque, but they're about the balance. Back roads, twisties. When you start driving them like that, one of the best experiences you'll ever have. So outside of everything else, though, personally, if I was to build one, keep an F20C. And other outside of that, 
this to me is introducing something else that I saw got announced. And now a Super Street has a car show coming out on Motor Trend TV. Now, I stopped subscribing to Motor Trend TV a long time ago because I was just kind of like burnt out for the classic trucks and the classic muscle cars. I was just like, all right. But to see Super Street and see the ad appear coming to Motor Trend TV, I hope that they start introducing shows where they are building imports in that regard. And I don't want it to be some cheesy, we're slapping on a turbo kid, we're slapping on a front lip kid, and we're done. See y'all later. I mean, dive in. Show the full, you know, Y-wire tucks, the, you know, complete engines that are rebuilt, the chassis being painted, the parts from Japan being flown in, the details being put on. Like, I want to see all that. There is a market for it. We're all sitting here watching. I understand YouTube and things like that are more prevalent than it is normal broadcast or production TV, but there's a market for it. You do it right, we'll come and watch it. Now, there is something to talk about. In the big release, hold up, I'm jumping ahead. We're going to just cover one small little thing too. We already know that the Toyota Tacoma is coming, the Taco. If they're smart, Toyota, if you're listening, release it on Taco Tuesday. You hear me? You know it's called the Taco. It's called the Tacoma. Don't miss the opportunity to release this truck to the public on Taco Tuesday. Okay? Just a just a little PSA from, from my marketing brain, okay? Remember that. But they've been teasing the Tacoma. I've said this before. I'm gonna do a long video on the Tacoma because this is about this is the one of the biggest deals for Toyota. They messed this up and Man, it's going to be bad news bears. But they've been teasing it every single day. It's random little things, showing the suspension in the rear, disc brakes in the rear, front headlight, rear. You know, they're just doing the long, drawn-out teaser, and soon enough, somebody's going to show a render and say it's going to look like that. But one of the latest ones they showed, which shows to me that they're really, really driving towards the more out. They're driving towards the outdoorsy people, the folks that took the original Tacoma, made them overland vehicles, they're doing all of this to gear towards them. So it means that I'm sure at pro models, the joint ain't going to be cheap. But they showed it had a detachable speaker. Now, I know you're like, Carquist, who cares about a Bluetooth speaker? The reason why I'm mentioning this is because I've noticed that a lot of these trucks now that are coming, they are aiming towards people that are camping and outdoors. So in the last teaser they showed, they showed somebody taking a Bluetooth speaker that's from JBL outside of the dash and just having it on the tailgate, which saying that it's a portable Bluetooth speaker. I find that interesting and cool because if they really market this and if it comes with all these outside accessories for like outdoors, you know, camping equipment, overlanding, they're about to smash the market because that's all people want, really. They're the people that are going to do it themselves and go to the aftermarket companies that have more higher quality parts for certain things they want. And they're going to have the people that want to go to the factory and say, give me everything it has and see y'all later. Small little side thing. But I thought it was cool. But the big news, <clears throat> the news that I saw, and I know, y'all are going to say, yo, get off BMW's back. But listen, I don't do this. Mercedes showed the new E-Class. And <laughs> you see what it looks like. Mwah. Okay? That's how you age gracefully. Okay? That's how you design a luxury sedan. One that is aimed at your volume seller, the E-Class. 
Look at the taillights. Look at the flush door handles. Look at the wavy headlight design they put on it now. Look at the quills. It's all coming together cohesively. This is what I mean. See, I don't just make this stuff up. I'm not talking to a wall. Somebody's hearing me. You see what they did. Clean, clean, clean design. So Mercedes announced the 2024 E-Class. Obviously a big deal. They didn't show any other trim models. They didn't show the crazy AMG models that you know are sitting in the tuck. But they showed the basis of what we have Excuse me, what we have and what we're going to use as far as when it comes to the E-Class. I want to talk about the interior, okay? Because Mercedes has been not only knocking it out the park, they've been doing everything correct up to a point. I do want to speak on something. We are now getting into... We're getting into the design language where everything is a screen. Visually, though, as you can see in the picture, when you step back, it's impressive. Like you'd be in the back seat like, oh, man, front seat's popping. So it looks good. But I will say one thing. We do need to find a balance between tactical feel, buttons, and not everything being a giant touchscreen fingerprint magnet because this looks immaculate now. But if you're an owner and you're touching a screen and swiping and doing all that, we're not, we're going to have to get back to having driving gloves. That's what this is. I just found a market. Driving gloves. We got to get like felt driving gloves that allow you to still have touch, but don't put fingerprints on the screen. Don't, t don't tell me I never gave you nothing. Besides that, <laughs> jokes aside, but no jokes aside. That's the idea. So you can see giant touchscreens, front, center, passenger. Now, the passenger one now can stream any any type of media. Even It even can do TikTok. Now, I know that might be kind of a sad state of affairs of where we're headed, where the latest information on a luxury car being revealed is that the passenger can watch TikTok. I mean, come on. I didn't know that that was on the list of due diligence. <laughs> but the passenger screen can watch TikTok. If the car is stationary, you can do a Zoom call, which, I mean, I guess, you know. Sometimes the port means happen. You got to pull over to the side of the road, fire up the camera. They did mention that on the passenger side screen, there's a camera that's looking at the drivers. That if you're driving, you like, kind of like turn your head to the side looking at the screen. I don't know what happens. I'm assuming it alerts you, vibrates the steering wheel, turns the screen off and says, look ahead or something. I don't know. But obviously, with all these screens, I know that we always talk about distracted drivers. And I can't front. When I see this type of layout, when they show all these screens, I'm like, there's no way that a lot of people won't be distracted, especially with the brightness, the ambient lighting. Like, you really need to set up the settings to do what you want. And I guess they understand that because in the new E-Class, they have... Basically, Mercedes-Benz says they have AI. Now, PSA. The AI thing is happening a lot right now. I work in tech. 
Many people just getting to grips with what was already happening on the back end with ChatGPT for many months, years. Now it's front and center. We got Drake rapping songs that he didn't even make. Sound kind of fire, though. Ain't going to lie. We got AI now in the car. So listen, Will Smith warned us. Okay, so get ready. I robots around the corner. But I digress. So Mercedes-Benz AI, whatever that may be, their infotainment system has obviously an AI component built in that wants to remember your habits. So when you get in the car, certain things that you do, it tries to remember them, or repeat them for you, or you can set it up to do this. So if you get in the car and you want to set the mood, the lighting, the brightness of the screens, this radio station, this podcast, this seat position, this destination, you can essentially set your profile to do all that as soon as you get in the car. More than memory seats. This is like memory settings for every profile, basically. A lot of cars do have profiles, and they share little things or save certain things like stations and a little bit of the destination thing. But essentially what this is doing is that everything is going to be set to who you are. If you like driving in this mode, if you like driving in comfort setting with the suspension, essentially the entire car is built around what you are doing and what your profile says you want to have. That's a cool feature, though, as I said before, and I've said it repeatedly, we are unrolling computers. I want to know who's protecting the back end and who's protecting the data. If you're loading up TikTok, we're already on the edge, right, when it comes to how much data is being transmitted, right? If the cars have profiles that are logging into maybe certain accounts you have, let's say you have a, had a Zoom meeting. So if I'm logging into my Zoom account with an email from like a Gmail account or my Outlook account, we're talking about personal information is now transmitting between me, my information, the car, the cloud. I want to know what Mercedes is doing for the back end of security. Like I said, we you're going to have to buy antivirus protection. It's getting wild out here. You can't just have all these features and then not have a loophole or an open door somewhere. It gets kind of murky. But like I said, Hopefully they understand this and on the back end of all these new AIs and MBUX and infotainment systems, they are working on something to make sure that that remains in place. The interior design follows the EQS, the EQE, the EQE SUV. That's what this kind of looks like. The If you see the air vents in the picture, they kind of follow the contours of the screen now as opposed to before where they would just be kind of flat across the top, kind of the waterfall design that's in the, I think it was the S, the new S-Class model, because it had the one that pivoted. And I think maybe in the C-Class, the C-Class had that design as well. But Zoom calls, TikTok, three screens now across the dashboard of this, ambient lighting, it still looks good though. So I'm not, I'm just saying, if I was to give a critique to not say everything's amazing. I would say we need to find a balance between buttons and tactical feeling these screens. And there is a balance because there are some people that show either renders or some manufacturers that try to get close to doing that. And we're almost there. I don't think everything should be a screen. I think that gets a little bit too ridiculous. The two models that are coming out in the summer, we have the E350 and the E450. The 350 is powered by, they all have a 48 volt hybrid system. Because like I said before, we're this is where we're going. Everybody's going that way. Hybrid and electric. So it comes a two-liter Ford, two-liter turbo four, 255 horsepower, 295 foot-pounds of torque. E350 turbo inline six, 
three hundred and what is it? Three hundred and seventy-five horsepower, three hundred and sixty-nine foot-pounds of torque. Air suspension is optional as on all the models. No price yet, but you already know what it's going to be. We're talking about fifty-seven, nine, sixty thousand and up. Obviously, the more options you add, I'm sure there's some banging Olsen, Mark Levison, some type of 33-speaker ridiculous symphony is going to be playing inside the car. They didn't talk about those options, but we already know they're coming because it's a Mercedes. They're E-Class. It's You already know. It's a luxury. They're bread and they're butter. But I just want to repeat one more time. I want you to look at the exterior design, and I want you to appreciate how a company has been slowly maturing, you know, going the direction they should go. The cars are looking good. We don't have this funky moment where we're like, hey, yo, what, what's going on? What are we What are we doing? This one looks good. It looks the part. Formatic is on all the cars. So we got all-wheel drive. And I'm sure that pertains to some of the electric motors decoupling or, you know, staying on board with the wheels and managing the all-wheel drive system or the four-wheel drive system that's on these cars as well. And that's pretty much it. You know, we don't have much information on it other than the fact that it looks great. I mean, color looks great. Wheels look great. I already said there are some people, some manufacturers that need to be paying attention to how this is going. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. But that's it for now. So Car News 1. I don't have anything to to dive into my opinion when it comes to certain cars. I do have some stuff that's coming up that's going to be great. But this is my format, man. I love it. And as always, you know what to do. You know what's right. You know what to do, and you know what's right. And that's to like, and that's to subscribe. That's to leave a comment. And I know I had told myself when I was doing these videos, I said, I'm not going to say those same things. But you know what? Guess what? That's how the game is played, and I'm playing, Okay. We're going to see you later. As I always say, do as you wish. Do as you may. Be safe out there. Use your blinkers if you need to. I don't always use my blinkers. I'm sorry. Um, but be safe out there. Do as you wish. Do as you may. It's Car Quicks episode. Wait, what episode am I at? This is the worst outro I've done yet. Hold on. What episode? 14? I think I'm on episode 14 or it's 15. And if that director's cut thing had the wrong episode, well, then that goes to show you how busy my life is anyway.